Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. It's Adam here from DNF1. Just before we begin the podcast, I wanted to quickly share with you some exciting news. For this month, the DNF1 podcast is proudly sponsored by Manscaped. For the entire month of March, you can get hold of some great Manscaped products like their best-selling razor, the brand new Lawnmower 3.0, which is now waterproof, and plenty more other great products on their website for 20% off and free shipping. All you have to do is head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code DNF1 to receive 20% off your order and also free shipping too. We loved using Manscaped products and we know that you will too. So make sure to get yours now. Trust us, your balls will thank you. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and rumours around the world of Formula One and we relay it back to you for a nice healthy bit of discussion for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on what platform you choose to follow us on. And of course, my co-host Mr Courtney Pine joining me first of all. Courtney, how are you doing? Are you okay? Hello everyone. Yeah, um, these teams are certainly keeping us busy at the moment and uh, with pre-season just around the corner. Um, certainly going to need a rest after going for all these uh, car reveals. Yes, uh, and, and I can understand, you know, we've done so many of these. I mean, some already, a lot of you guys are probably thinking, surely you're not another one. Um, <laughs> you're joking. Not another one? Oh, for God's sake. There are some teams, obviously, you don't care for. There are some teams that you're more interested in, and that's absolutely fine, you know. Uh, we're just going to cover all of them because we love F1 that much, and this is, this, this is kind of like Christmas for us really all the little presents to see what you're going to get um and it's something yeah but with some of these with with these some of these teams and uh just my personal perspective i think going through this particular team and uh particularly one of the drivers that we're going to be talking about 
it's kind of like opening up a present, right? That you don't like, and your relative staring you right in the face, and you'll go, oh, oh that's nice. Have you, have you <laughs> what does see- I feel about this one? Do you know what? It's a funny analogy because it's kind of, to me, it's like, do you remember that video when we were kids and you get a Nintendo 64? Like that, that was like the it console to have when we it were was, growing yeah. like, we were like five or six or something like that. Fed old, fed old. <laughs> and I remember that kid that got that video, that kid that got a Nintendo 64 and he's screaming, he's like, Nintendo 64, oh my God. That, that kid, that was, that was me when I got mine. Um, obviously, you know, not me, but that was my reaction, similar to that. Mm. I suppose for some of these cars, perhaps the one we're going to review now, it's more like that kid, that uh, Vine, where he gets an avocado and he took it in front of his parents and goes, oh my God, an avocado. And then he just looks for a minute and goes, thanks. And then he just puts it to the side. <laughs> that's that's the equivalent of the present we're going to yeah, get. Yeah, pretty um, much. Pretty and, much. and I think as much thought has been put into this gift as an avocado, I suppose. Oh, I mean, to some people, they might like an avocado for Christmas. Um, not us. I'm not a big fan of avocados. But anyway, um, this is a Formula One podcast. We could go on about foods that we like and don't like all day. We're going to be talking about the Huss. Uh, the VF21 has broken cover. And first things first, Courtney, what did you think of the livery? Did you like the look of the livery? Was it a nice design for you or are you not a fan? Um, it's it's fairly basic. Um, for me, it looks like a BTEC Alpine. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. And I'm also not keen on the political aspect on it. I know Formula One is very political, but I'm just looking. I think there's enough controversy surrounding this team right now. Why even do that? I, I, it just seems to me that Hass are making one effort shall we say after another and I think they need to be choosing the next step fairly wisely in order to survive in Formula One because they have one thing going for them at the moment one thing and that is Mick Schumacher Mick Schumacher is carrying that team from a marketing perspective and it's strange because you know we've almost forgotten the fact that the son of the seven times world champion uh, some consider the greatest of all time is actually driving in this car like the limelight has been completely taken away from that story and shifted elsewhere not necessarily for the right reasons um but in terms of the car itself the livery um the livery was designed by uh i think it was brandon saber designs uh but forgive me if i've got that wrong but overall um and i want to make a point of this overall i think the design is pretty good considering what I imagine the criteria and restrictions that Brandon would have had in designing this livery. And now I understand a lot of people probably not that aren't fans of this design um, are, are more leaning towards the fact that it contains the Russian flag and it's the sponsors, Ural Carly, the, you know, the, the title sponsors for Hus this season who are, uh, you know, family owned by the Mazpins, you know, that, that that's no secret. Everyone knows that in Formula One. Um, so, you know, it's no surprise that that kind of livery is on the car, I suppose, because of what's happened over the winter period with Nikita Mazepin in particular, it's kind of soured pe- uh, people's perspectives on the, the actual livery itself. Now, I understand that. That's not me saying, you know, you guys don't know what you're talking about if you don't like the car. You're, you're entitled to your opinion. I think the design looks good based on what the designer had to work with. I think they did a very, very good job. So, you know, so kudos to you, uh, Brandon Saber. It still doesn't um, compare to the Alpine, though. No, the no. Alpine is still so much better. No, I will make that point. The Alpine is absolutely stunning and it's still my favourite car. I know people saying about the Aston Martin, it's good, but 
it could have been better in my opinion. Mm. And, you know, there's rumors about the influence of BWT as a sponsor to put the pink on the car instead of the lime green yellow that perhaps they originally were going to have. It might explain the advertisement color scheme that, you know, alluded to that being one of the colors on there, but it's changed all of a sudden for pink. So maybe there's some truth in that. But with the Huss itself, um, obviously, you know, we've already talked about the livery on the car and why it looks the way that it does. I think it looks okay and it's a pretty good job under the circumstances, but I digress. Um, as for the car itself, Courtney, um, you're, you and perhaps some people that aren't really interested in the technical stuff will be happy to know that there's literally hardly anything to talk about from a technical perspective because it's a 2020 car. The launch mm. itself was a 2020 car, and we know this because the floor that they used was 2020 spec. And obviously, they're not going to be able to use that floor um, in preseason testing or during the season because it's been banned because of the aero changes for 2021. So Huss have pretty much painted a 2020 car in the new livery. Now, the main reason for this, guys, is Huss aren't going to run an illegal car. We know that. But it's mostly because uh, they're not going to make any development to this 2021 car at all. The car that we eventually see at Bahrain or even pre-season testing will be the car that Huss will run for the entire year. And they kind of did this last year as well. The only changes you're going to see are some aero updates on the car that will be based on um, parts that they were able to develop in 2020, but not able to manufacture it. And the reason for this was because of COVID-19, there was a lot of cost cutting going on at Huss. And given the situation they were in at the start of the season, they made a conscious decision to literally slash their development budget so that they could do some research on upgrades for the car, but they wouldn't be going on the car or being manufactured to save money. So they've decided to push that back all the way to 2021. They will most likely appear on this car and it will be the same process for the rest of the season. The only changes that you will see are changes to the side pods uh, and the engine cover at the rear end of the car to accommodate the new Ferrari power unit, mm. which what Gunther Steiner has said and what other rumours have been going around do believe that Ferrari have made a significant uh, step forward in their engine performance, which is good news to Ferrari and also Ferrari customers like Haas and Alfa Romeo. But... That doesn't change the fact, ultimately, Courtney, that this could prove to be a very difficult season for Haas, whether or not that they care. But the priority does look to have shifted towards 2022 rather than try and work on both projects. We've, with all the other cars that we've spoken through, we've always sort of mentioned the, the risk of, you know, putting too much into 2021 and possibly struggling in 2022 and the importance of getting 2022 right. For Haas, they're very survival rely on this because they're going to take the hit this season. The most most 100% certain to finish last, even if Ferrari do make a big upgrade. Um, it'd be a miracle if they don't finish at the very bottom. But if they, they get it wrong in 2022, I can't see this team surviving, mate. I really can't. Well, this is the big risk because Haas, there was always uncertainty over their future in Formula One, whether they were going to sign the Concord Agreement and commit to the next five years in the sport up to 2025. Uh, they eventually did sign that agreement and they've already spent a year in 2019, as we already said, and 2020, um, sorry, 2020, I should say, not developing the car at all. They turned up with a reasonably decent car. It it was on the back end of the midfield, looking like they could try and challenge the likes of Alvatari at best 
Uh, it was ahead of Alfa Romeo and the Williams. But as the season went on, Haas didn't develop the car at all. They still had issues on the car that they were trying to address uh, at the front end, which was causing issues with low to mid-speed corners, something they've suffered with for a long time, probably the last three years. And, you know, Haas are in this position now where whatever car they rolled out this season, you know, they're completely sacrificing another year. The second year in a row, they're sacrificing the short-term for the long-term game. And you're absolutely right, Courtney. Even though they're going to be, technically speaking, the most prepared team with the most time allocated to the 2022 project, there's no guarantee that it's going to be successful. And if they mm. don't get it right, i.e. Uh, be a team that's a prominent challenger in the midfield and maybe challenging for the odd podium if they're lucky, it could have serious implications on whether or not Gene Haas wants to continue the Haas project in Formula One. Because I don't think when he joined Formula One with Haas in 2016, he envisioned... Haas, especially after the first race, let's not forget the performance. Uh, I think Grosjean come fifth in the first race, saying famously on the radio, this is a win for us in Melbourne. I don't think he envisioned after that race that Haas would go on the route that it has gone um, and be at the very back of the grid. I mean, in 2018, with the, um, you know, controversy regarding was the Haas a 2017 Ferrari, um, you know, and the rules copying and everything else. This is like the OG uh, racing point saga from what we saw last year. And that car at times was the fourth fastest car on the grid. They got fifth mm. in the championship. But since then, they've been going downhill, basically having to sacrifice the short term for the long term game. They sense the opportunities 2022. I understand that with the budget constraints and everything that they're facing at Huss, but this is a huge risk. And if it doesn't pay off, Courtney, you're absolutely right. This could be the final nail in the coffin for Huss F1, which would be a true shame, but it may be inevitable at this point. I really do feel sorry for Mick Schumacher, even before he steps into the car for testing, let alone his first race. It, there's so much negativity surrounding his team, whether it be financial, whether it be from media perspective, and even from the fans. Don't get me wrong, the fans are going to be getting behind Mick Schumacher as an individual. But I think you're going to find very, very few people getting behind Haas as a team. And I, I don't know, I unless this team wires up, I, I think they're really going to struggle in the coming years, mate. I really do. Could well do. And there might not be the money to put into that. I mean, a lot of it, mm. what a lot of what they're doing this year in 2022 is being funded in part by Eurocarly, the title sponsors for this season, which, as we've already mentioned, is owned by the uh, Mazepin family. Um, I mean, Gunther Steiner, they asked him about this, why Huss are deciding to go with this tactic for 2022. I think I've got the quote here, actually. He basically said, it, it's no secret that the VF21 will not be developed as we focus our energies now on the 2022 car and what we hope will be a more level playing field. We all know roughly where we expect to be in the season in terms of competition, but we must ensure we're there to capitalise on opportunities when they present themselves. I would prefer um, Gunther Steiner to have said like he did on Netflix, the old saying that they look like a bunch of, fun a bunch of fucking wankers. And just, you know, I mean, I love Gunther Steiner. And I love that quote. And everyone in F1 that's seen that loves that quote from him. He's absolute legend from that point onwards. Um, but 
it is a shame that Huss are going to have to subject themselves. And there's a lot of great people working at Huss at the moment. So I feel like this is a big risk for them. Um, for those people that are probably wondering, whilst I'm saying all this from the technical perspective, well, Huss will get the benefit of using 2020 Ferrari parts in their car as per the rules, allowing them to use listed parts or upgrade to last year's listed parts from their supplier teams without incurring any token spend. Um, not that Huss were going to spend tokens anyway. Well, the problem is a lot of the parts that they're referring to, the listed parts, Huss were actually already using 2020 yeah. Ferrari parts last year. They can't upgrade to the 2021 parts in certain areas without using the token. So they're going to be still be quite limited on what upgrades they can actually get from Ferrari. So it's almost like a double whammy anyway um, on how Huss will be affected by not developing their car going forward. So they're not going to have that added benefit that Alfa Romeo got that are going to get or Alfa Tauri or Aston Martin, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it doesn't make make for good reading for Huss at the moment in F1. It really does look like that Huss may have had aspirations to challenge the midfield in 2022. But I tell you what, it very much looks like Huss are going to be at the very back of the grid um, in in terms of performance. Obviously, they will have to make changes to compensate for the aero upgrades for the new regulations. You know, they're not going to run a 2020 spec car. They can't. But it does look like. Alfa Romeo even will most likely be their best challenge will be their biggest rivals this season if anybody else because we expect Williams to improve and they were pretty much on their pace if not ahead of them in some regards Alfa Romeo are going to get the same equipment in terms of engine power plus 2020 listed parts that Ferrari didn't give them last season that Haas already had so it's going to be a very difficult season for Haas in that regard yeah I've, I've, I've already sort of said I, I think I think they're going to finish bottom and yeah, if they don't get 2022 right, Adam, I think I think it's curtains for them. I, don't, I, I sound like I'm on a real downer, but I just think there's so many things wrong with this team at the moment. And geez, they need this this team. If 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 you're thinking from Gene Has perspective, you know you said I didn't expect to see this five years ago. At this point, Gene Has should be thinking. You know what? With 2022. This team needs a revamp because from a marketing perspective, this team is a disaster. No doubt about it. It's, it's, it's a disaster. Mm. I think we need to kind of look at this from the perspective of American franchises that go into plenty of sports. I mean, we've seen in so many sports across the world, America takes great pride in their franchises when they sort of venture into other avenues outside of their uh, domain. Formula One definitely being one of them. And every time that they do try to throw their hat into a sport like Formula One, they really do want to make a go at it, whether it's through the races or through drivers. You know, there's so much talent in America that doesn't quite make it into Formula One, possibly because they have this conception that it's more of a European sport. I, I think I can understand why that'd be true in the past, but that's definitely not the case now. In Huss's case, it was always a breath of fresh air when Huss entered to the sport, very much Americanized uh, element in Formula One. They held on to that as well with their American base. They obviously have a base in the UK as well to help with the logistics side of things, but it was very much an American team. And with that, there's always an expectation of them to be successful. You know, Gene Huss is one of those guys like, like he's done in other race series like NASCAR, where he's obviously more well-known. He's wanted to make sure 
that he's successful everywhere he goes. And I think he genuinely believed that he could do that. Obviously, the, the route that Haas went in Formula One, you know, buying a stock car in 2015 and working with that for 2016, and it did start off pretty well. In 2018, obviously, had the development with Ferrari, the partnership, and that worked brilliantly. But since then, it's kind of gone downhill. And it does make me wonder how much, how more committed they can possibly be into making this project work uh, in Formula One because it's proven to be very difficult. And there's new projects coming in. Like I said, Alpha Tauri trying to go their own way. McLaren now teaming up with Mercedes again. Aston Martin, Alpine, a lot more exciting brands are entering into the sport. And it's almost making Haas feel like a bit of an afterthought. I just don't know how... Gene Huss is going to want to continue funding into a project that is literally paying nothing back in dividends, if anything, is more detrimental to his racing brand. Uh, well, they, Michael, the, the, the Mick Schumacher arrival is great. You know, that, that there's going to be plenty of attention on, on Mick, you know, seeing how well we can get on. Will he potentially follow his father's footsteps down onto Ferrari? That is a great market employer. For the team, but the other driver is the issue. I'm sure we'll be going on to the drivers in a moment. It sort of represents a bigger problem and frustrations that fans have about some of these drivers. You know, it seems that that the other drivers there primarily because of his family connections and the money that they bring. But I just look at some of the other drivers that has could look even. Maybe Daniel Kvyat or one of the other Ferrari drivers like Callum Eilert. I was expecting it to be Callum Eilert, Mick Schumacher, the two um, Formula 2 rivals from last season in the same team, battling it out. That would have been great to see. But unfortunately, because of the series of events that have followed on with their financial difficulties, from a marketing perspective, from the, the general perspective of the team, from F1 fans, it's not good. It's not good. Well, I mean, since we're on the subject, let's talk about Nikita Mazepin first. Um, so, yeah, Nikita Mazepin, very much probably one of the most disliked Formula One drivers of all time. And ironically, for something he hasn't done in F1 yet, rather than actually in F1. And as I said, we're not going to talk about the incident much itself. I think enough has been said on that anyway. Of course, you know, what's followed from that what it, you know, it was poor conduct in, you know, one thing we can all agree on, it was terrible conduct. Uh, and that's the lightest way of putting it. Um, you know, it, it triggered the We Say No to Mazepin social media campaign, which is obviously still going on. Um, the FIA and Formula One, this was kind of the thing. They, they very much distanced themselves from, you know, making us um, a resolution from this and actually getting involved, they pretty much let Huss deal with it and then just said, yep, that's fine, let Huss deal with it. And it really did put a, a spanner in the works of the uh, We Races One campaign and obviously mm-hmm. equality, especially when they're making strides in that area with the, you know, the end racism uh, movements and everything else supporting Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. Yeah, Adam, can I just quickly, and I think this, I just think it's been badly dealt with by the FIA it's just I don't know this just this could be me I know there'll be some people that agree some people that disagree but I'm just saying this from my own perspective the FIA seems to be more angry about the shirt that Lewis Hamilton wore about Brianna Taylor than what Mazepin did correct me if I'm wrong please please let me know please let me know in the comments no the FIA the FIA 
done some done some good things with the with the equal rights spearheaded by Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. But the way they reacted to the Mazepin thing seems to be an ongoing by the FIA. And this goes back to what we've been saying about this team. It just seems that the situation with this team is toxic. It's not good for the team. It's not good for Mick Schumacher. It's not actually good for the sport in general because some of the assumptions made about Formula One drivers as boy self that they're spoiled, they always get their own way, they can get away with doing whatever they want without consequence. Where are we now with this? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, not, mm. it's not good for the sport in general. And I, I'll be honest, I just hope that common sense prevails and that team going to 2022 revamped because I want to be seeing as many as many well-run teams, nice stories going on, tight midfield, loads of battles. That's what we want to be seeing as fans. I'd rather be spending my time talking about great battles on track rather than talking about bad feeling and sort of badly run teams. I, I'd rather not be like this. I'd rather be looking forward to next season with excitement. And this is just the, this is the one team that really kind of brings that negativity when it comes to 2021. I don't know about you, Adam. I've done running. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. I mean, I can't disagree with you. Um, you know, the reaction from following the Magello podium with Lewis Hamilton wearing the shirt regarding Breonna Taylor from the FIA was quite shocking. And I think their reaction, what followed when they decided not to go further with it, was a result of the fanfare reaction and the reaction of the general public um, to you know, in support of Lewis Hamilton overwhelmingly for what he's used his platform to do. And I absolutely commend uh, the gentleman for doing it. I, you know, he was absolutely spot on. And it's those hypocrisies and those issues that need to be changed from the ground up. And what I learned or what I personally felt from that situation with Nikita Mazepin regarding F1 and the FIA was that they possibly never intended to be put in a position where they would actually have to act on someone doing something that detrimented the values of the We Races One campaign or anti-racism or anti-sexism or anything like that. I don't think they ever expected that to ever happen, but it did. And basically they did nothing. They sat on their hands and just put all the responsibility on Haas, who, let's be honest, with all respect to Ural Kali or Russia or anything, you know, all of that to do with Nikita Mazepin, you know, we're not talking about them in this regard. You know, their companies obviously want to be represented by Russia, a Russian driver and give them all the backing possible to make that, that, you know, that's their business, but because of the, the monetary influence and the need that Huss has to have the revenue in their team, there was always only ever going to be one outcome. And that's the one that we got. And in their mind, they're probably just hoping that eventually with enough time and Nikita puts in decent performances, admits to his mistakes, which he sort of hasn't really done, um, even after the press conference he had, they just carry on. And over time, they just expect people to forget about it. The important thing is now that people are not allowing that to happen. It's obviously not as rife as it was when it happened or when it was fresh, but that's kind of the reality that we're in at the moment. So, yeah, I understand for F1 and the FIA to really be taken seriously in terms of the equality campaigns. I mean, let's not forget that the W Series, the Women's Racing Series, which has been fantastic since its introduction a few years ago, is now going to be on the F1 weekend. Mm. So it doesn't really set a good precedent when the young women that are trying to get into Formula One, and this is their platform to do it, on the same weekend, with all the visibility and exposure that comes with that, 
as the actual F1 weekend itself, it doesn't really inspire much confidence that the FIA and F1 in particular are doing enough to give them the equal opportunities and consideration. I mean, we've had some women try to break into Formula One and some test drivers, yeah, you know, try to get into Formula One. I think it's inevitable that a woman will end up in Formula One at some point when I don't know, but it's these sorts of things where you do wonder where the priorities really lie in terms of the senior management or the ones making those decisions. It's quite worrying and disappointing that no one really took any action on it. They just let Huss deal with it. But look, you know, that aside, you know, we've said enough already about the incident itself. I mean, Nikita Mazepin, um, you know, we had a press conference where he did some questions on this. I think I've got a couple of quotes that I can share with you if, if that's okay, uh-huh. based on what he said. Um, so when he come to address this issue, he basically said, I would like to say a big thank you to the team Haas because they've been really supportive in helping me to learn, obviously from what he did. They've been very patient in taking the time and helping me learn in my education phase of the behaviour and incident. I'm way further than I've ever been. So that's very helpful. He then goes on to say, I understand I have taken the responsibility for it, as I said previously, both on and off the circuit. We as human beings have to show a certain behaviour towards each other to live in a calm and humanity world, so I understand that I will be one of those humans from now on. Now, first things first, he still actually doesn't apologise for the incident. That was one thing I was surprised. I thought, you know, if you understand the situation just apologize. Just say you're sorry for what happened. You regret it. It was wrong and just move on. That's the, you know, that's one thing you can do. All of this other stuff that comes with it. Fine. You know, great to acknowledge that. And Haas, you know, if they have put measures in place to make sure that his future conduct is more um, proper of a Formula One driver as a role model, which he is, whether he likes it or not, he is a sporting role model. Maybe he was before and he didn't realize it, but he is now and he's going to be on the global stage. But The proof is going to be in the pudding. If Nikita Mazepin can just get his head down and drive and also cut out some of the dangerous aggressive driving that he showed in F1 and F3 and drive more like Nikita Mazepin that won races in F2, was a title challenger last season and in F3, that will in some part, as far as the driving calibre goes, um, work to his benefit. In terms of the humanity aspects, I'm not really convinced by the quotes that he made or statements. I'm not going to judge him um, you know, what he does afterwards based on what he said now. But there is an expectation and the scrutiny and the magnifying glass will be literally as close to his crash helmet as you can imagine to basically keep an eye on him in case anything like this happens again. Hopefully it doesn't. But, you know, that's the reality Huss find themselves in and also Nikita Mazabin too. Um, on an interesting note, actually, I, I probably this is probably worth mentioning. Um, you, you know, with Russia, uh, with the the doping scandal that we fit with them during uh-huh. the uh, Sochi Olympic games in the winter and in 2014 as well. Um, one thing I did see is that obviously with the court of arbitration of sport have suspended them for the next two years, I believe where uh, they can't compete in world championship events. That's right. Formula yeah. One. So Nikita Mazepin technically can't represent Russia um, as a Formula One driver. It's, I don't know how they do it. Probably be something similar to what the Olympics do with like independent um from nationality or something like that. Um, so if there is a chance that he gets a podium for Haas, it'd be interesting to see what flag that they use. But in addition to that, um, it seems that this livery that they've done is kind of the clever way of getting around that. I know Haas said quite a lot that the livery was not inspired because of this issue. Um, this is just it a coincidence. That way. 
it certainly does. It's kind of like, well, we can't have him represent Russia or anything like that, but we're just going to paint the, the Russian flag on the car, which is fine. But it is quite f- funny in a way that this is the way around it. So it's almost like, well, no matter what you address it as, we all know he's going to be representing Russia and that's on the car. And I'm pretty sure when we get to the Russian Grand Prix later in the year, there's, you know, I mean, we thought what they had for Danny Kvyat with his face on stands and everything. I imagine the parade is going to be coming out for Nikita Mazepin or a celebration of him. They might just name rename it the Nikita Mazepin Grand Prix of Russia or something like that. But, uh, you know, anyway, look, we've spoken a lot on Nikita Mazepin. I think it's best now we move on to Mick Schumacher. So Yes, please. Yes, yes. please. <laughs> Mick Schumacher. So the other driver in the Huss, um, if you hadn't already heard, the son of the seven-time world champion Michael Schumacher will be making his long-awaited Formula One debut this season. And I'll tell you what, Corny, I am so excited to see Mick Schumacher. As a huge Michael Schumacher fan myself growing up, idolising Michael, it's, it is almost a bit surreal to see that his son is now driving in Formula One. Obviously, it's not going to be in the best car, and the idea is that perhaps one day he will get to Ferrari. I think for the benefit of those that haven't really followed Mick Schumacher's junior career, how impressed have you been by Mick Schumacher so far? And how confident do you feel that he is going to make a big impact in Formula One? Well, the last couple of seasons, he's certainly taken a step forward. Like I'll, I'll be honest, uh, three, four years ago, I, I just didn't think he'd find the right route in the Formula One, you know, because he sort of struggled in his first season in F2, started fast and struggled at the tail end of it. But last season, obviously winning the championship, you know, fairly comfortably as well, you know, and Callum Mylock put up a good challenge. It's a shame that he isn't there as well. Um, I think it's a perfect time for him to come into Formula One for obvious reasons. It's just a shame he didn't go to somewhere like Alfa Romeo where I think he'll have had a bit more of an opportunity to shine. But it is what it is, and I'm sure a lot of people back up what I'm about to say and wishing him the best of luck with this because he is he's in a he's starting off in, in, in a pretty bad environment. But rest assured, I think 99% of Formula One fans are gonna be well and truly behind Mick Schumacher this season. I hope he does well and you never know if it all goes well, he might get a move to a bigger team and then eventually get a chance at Ferrari. I you know. I, I personally hope that really happens. It'd be great to see. Mm, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it wouldn't be fair for us to expect Mick Schumacher to be in a Ferrari in three or four years' time, mm. especially considering the driver lineup they currently have in Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. I mean, I think that's a fantastic driver lineup. And it wouldn't be fair to Carlos Sainz in particular, the driver you'd expect to have to make way if one of them was to go. Um, to make room for Mick Schumacher. You know, it wouldn't be fair to Carlos Sainz. I think he's going to do a fantastic job there. But in Mick Schumacher, yes, there is the expectation. There is the hope that he can, in some way or shape or form, uh, emulate what his father, not necessarily achieved at Ferrari, but emulate his career in some regards by making it into Ferrari. I remember back in uh, last season, there was a test session that Ferrari ran of the 2018 car and Mick Schumacher obviously was driving in it. And it was a beautiful photo of him going down the back straight in Bahrain and his mum, Corinna Schumacher, obviously has been through so much with what's happened with Michael over the last six or seven years. It's amazing it's been that long. And 
everything that's come with that to see her son Mick going down the back straight as I said the only cry and shame of it all was that his father was not there to see it as well I'm sure hopefully Michael is following it one way or the other hopefully you know keep fighting Michael hope you get better soon but in Mick's case that that is the story that is the the path that I feel people expect and hope that he will be moving onwards and of course it all starts at Huss Um, people are worried about the development he's going to have at Huss how is that going to benefit him especially in a car like this, which is expected to struggle at the back of the field where only his teammate Nikita Mazepin may be his only competition. I still think it's going to be a valuable experience. You know, Formula One cars are not easy cars to drive. And if Haas, and with the new cars coming in 2022, it helps to be as prepared as you possibly can. And it doesn't matter if you're Mick Schumacher or if you're Lewis Hamilton. It's going to be a challenge for every single driver, assuming Lewis is going to be driving next season. We know Mick will in 2022. We don't know about Lewis yet, but it's going to be a challenge for everybody. And that is when we would hope with a year under his belt. And and let's not forget, in Mick's junior career, you know, despite winning the F2 and F3 championships, his second season was significantly better than his first because that's when the mistakes kind of got eradicated last season in f2 he was fantastic particularly in the second half of the season the consistency was amazing um if you want to know what mick schumacher is about watch the feature race in bahrain or the sakir grand prix feature race when he was at the back of the field and he got all the way up to fourth in that race nearly got on the podium after a long battle with jayan deruvela um it was a brilliant race to see. That is what Mick Schumacher is about. The consistency, the pace, uh, the maturity beyond his years, and there's talent to boot. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Mick can do. I think that is probably where the attention is going to be for Haas. Ferrari, of course, will be very keen to see what, how he does. And they will be very much involved in the, his development of his career. Let's not forget Haas will be having the uh, technical development at Ferrari at a base at Maranello specifically built for them and of course I imagine some Ferrari personnel will be moving over to work at Huss almost like a secondment if you like because of the budget constraints for next season there will be resourcing availabilities for Huss to benefit from Ferrari having to move people elsewhere in order to keep them in that base at Maranello so there's a lot of good things going on for Huss but like you said Courtney a lot of it could come down to whether Huss continue in Formula One beyond 2022. Yeah, I, I just, I, I keep my fingers crossed for Mick. You know, uh, it would be a shame for him to come into Formula One and then, you know, going into 2023. And if, if obviously, if it goes on 2022 for them, find himself about a seat. But I'm sure Alfa Romeo would probably be a likely destination. Who knows? You know what? We've spoken on the Alfa Romeo video. If Giovinazzi leaves and it leaves Alfa Romeo and has to have a torrid time, maybe Mick will make that move to Alfa Romeo. I, I I just think that should have been a natural move. I think Mick Schumacher should have gone to Alfa Romeo. Well, I think that was the intended move uh, with Callum Mylock going to Huss. Um, for whatever reason, perhaps the Mazepin factor put a spanner in the works of the whole thing and him and his sponsors, Euro Carly, gave Huss a basically, yeah, basically gave them an offer they couldn't refuse, um, you know, paraphrasing the Godfather, but um, probably not, probably they, uh, I was just say probably they had a meeting like that. Who knows? You mean, I might've had Mazepin's dad sitting there, like Ton Giovanni um, with Gunther Steiner and Gene Huss in the hot seat. And uh, I, I, you know, maybe not that extreme, but um, yeah, that, that probably would explain a lot given that Calamai lot is not going to be, I mean, 
let's have a you know a quick word on Callum Mylot because a lot of us we probably wondering that while we've mentioned Callum in particular. Callum, obviously, the Ferrari development driver, the runner-up last season to Mick Schumacher, and really fought him too for now all the way. In my opinion, Callum was the fastest driver in F2 last year. Him and Yuki Tsunoda in particular, who, of course, will be in Formula 1 with Alfa Tauri. But um, for whatever reason, Callum, you know, it just didn't have the consistency of Mick Schumacher. You know, we talk about Mick, but sheer pace-wise... Callum was by far the best driver in F2 in that regard. It's such a shame he won't be in Formula 1 this season, but obviously he's going to be doing other things outside of Formula 1 as well. But um, do you feel that Callum might end up in Formula 1 in 2022 in particular? Of course, Alfa Romeo, we've already mentioned them. There could be a seat there if uh, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi don't stay on as we expect at this point in time. Yeah, it depends what happens. Uh, Well, both Alfa Romeo and Haas. I mean, anything could happen given the situation there. Um, but the, the the problem is that in the Formula One scene, there are obviously so many people that want to be driving there. It's so easy to become forgotten. So I'm hoping that with Callum Ilott's case, he takes himself to another driving category where he can showcase his talents and sort of keep himself fresh and put himself sort of in a frame to be there in case something goes wrong with other one of these drivers and also his age I think he's 24 now is he not is, is yeah. he around 24 yeah. 25 he sort of ran out of time there as well and I just thought that this was a prime opportunity and many of us thought that he was going to end up at Haas and then yeah Mr Mazepin showed up and uh, the rest is history yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in Callum Ilott's uh, merit in terms of his as a driver. He's definitely ready. Um, Nikita Mazepin, yes, he has proven himself to be a race winner and title challenger in F2 and F3. So I feel like, yes, he, he deserves to be an F1 on merit, but then a lot of drivers deserve to be an F1 on merit that aren't actually there. Um, I mean, look at someone like uh, Luca Giotto or Guan Yu Zhou or Christian Lungard. Um, you know, the, those guys have proven their medal, but the opportunity has not presented itself to them. It might be different at Alpine in their academy rather than Renault. We'll have to wait and see. But um, obviously, we, you know, we're getting off topic again. But to round this all up, Courtney, um, I think we've kind of answered this question already, but yeah. just for the sake of confirming uh-huh. it, where do we think Haas will be this season? Do you think they've got any chance of leading the C-class, which they did last season, or do you feel, or, well, you know, alongside Alfa Romeo, or do you feel like they're going to be plum last? I reckon they're going to finish bottom, but their only saving grace would be the Ferrari engine. If, if this Ferrari engine is exceptional, Maybe they can finish above um, Williams if Williams have another bad season. But I expect them to finish last. Yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult for them. I mean, one telling statistic from last season was that um, Haas only got out of Q1 on six occasions, which is the worst of any team on the grid. And mostly because of George Russell in the Williams being a superstar on Saturday. But... um, at the same time, I just think it's going to be even worse for them this season. I know the Ferrari engine is rumoured to be leaps and bounds above what they did last year. And I really hope as a Ferrari fan that that's true. But even then, the you know, Alfa Romeo are going to have the same engine as them. So they're going to get the same benefits. So they have to produce a better car than Alfa Romeo. And the 2020 Alfa Romeo was already better than the 2020 Haas. So it, by proxy, it's not going to be any worse than the 2021 Haas if they haven't improved it. And the Williams, it, with the Mercedes power unit and the upgrades, I imagine they'll put on their car. They're a team that's looking to go up rather than down. So I just feel that Haas are going to be 
very, very lonesome at the back of the field, regardless of how good that Ferrari engine is. Even if it was the best engine on the grid, I still feel that it'd have to be amazing to be um, beating Williams this season. Um, you know, but that's my opinion on it. Guys, of course, as always, let us know what you think about this season. Do you feel that Haas will struggle at the back of the field? Are you looking forward to seeing Mick Schumacher? And of course, what are your expectations for Nikita Mazpin? Let's not forget him as well. And um, yeah, let us know what you think of the livery as well. For the rest of the car launches, we've got two more to go after this. We've got the Williams launch that we're very much looking forward to seeing. There have been some leaks online of the car design which looked quite cool, actually. But we'll have to wait and see if those are actually real or if they're just fakes. We'll have to wait and see. But we'll be reviewing the episode, which will be out on Saturday. And, of course, next week we've got the one I'm looking forward to. That's the Ferrari uh, SF21. So hopefully that proves to be a good car. We'll have to wait and see. But, of course, guys, you know, as always, and for this month of March, let's have a shout-out to our sponsors, Manscaped, uh, giving us... 20% off and free shipping on the code DNF1. So guys, use the code DNF1 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Great products there that we've already advertised on previous episodes. Get yourself one from manscaped.com right now. Until then, guys, thank you, Courtney, of course, for joining me once again on the DNF1 F1 podcast. Great stuff. And uh, yeah, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. See you soon. Podcast Network.